0: Most people, you know, really struggle to even understand what mental health is. They, most people associate it with mental illness and, you know, mental health is something that everybody has and everyone should be focusing on. I think there is some, still a bit of a stigma around it, but light has been shown on mental health because of the pandemic. It is becoming more understood. There's less of a stigma around it and we're starting to understand ways to support our mental health that are attainable and accessible.
1: Welcome to This Thing Called Movement, a podcast exploring our relationship to movement and how it impacts every other aspect of our lives. I'm your host, Marie Janicek movement guide and co-founder of Evolna, an intuitive movement lifestyle company, helping people create a more fulfilling relationship to their body and self. Through my work in the fields of dance and fitness, I've always been deeply connected to movement and fascinated by how it shapes us. Join me as I dive into conversations with esteemed professionals from a variety of fields and backgrounds. Together we'll gain insight into their personal movement experiences, the transformations that resulted, and how movement has affected their lives at large. I hope this podcast inspires and empowers you to create a more authentic relationship with your body as you experience the tremendous ripple effect movement can have on all other facets of your life. New episodes will be released on Friday mornings every other week. In the meantime, enjoy. Hello, everyone. I'm thrilled to welcome today's guest, Jamie Pabst. Jamie is the founder and CEO of Spiritune, a music therapy app that helps users regulate emotions to feel and perform better. Jamie has always been fascinated by sounds, healing, potential, and devotes herself to helping others receive its many benefits. Even outside of Spiritune, she DJs on the side and produces events to highlight the powerful connections between music and health. In today's interview, we discussed how music plays a crucial role in mental health, how noise pollution affects us without realizing it, and Jamie's personal journey with self-care in motherhood during quarantine. Jamie is a brilliant visionary, a curious intellectual, and a deeply thoughtful human being. I'm honored to have her on as a guest with us today to share her insights with you all. So without further ado, let's begin. Oh, Jamie, thank you so much for coming on with us today. It's such a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much, Maria. It's great to be here. So I'd love for you to share with us what you're up to today and how your life story led you to found your company, Spiritune. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm the founder of a therapeutic music app
0: called Spiritune. And Spiritune applies the scientific properties of music into an everyday application for stress reduction, emotional regulation, productivity, and performance. And so really, you know, it's a a deeper level of what we intuitively know about music's emotional properties and taking it a level deeper into really uh, uh, designing it for health outcomes. And Spiritune is really a genesis of my life experience. Firstly, growing up with a mother who lost her hearing when she was pregnant with me, uh, she had a condition called autosclerosis, which is pretty rare, and it's basically the condition can call, cause uh, anywhere from moderate to severe hearing loss when there's hormonal changes in the body. So her pregnancy with me basically exacerbated that condition, and so she lost her hearing. So. Growing up, sound was something that I did not take for granted and was really something that was deeply appreciated and understood as I witnessed firsthand my mother's struggle with hearing and communication. And then secondly, my sister, uh, she pursued her degree in music therapy when she went off to college. So as a young child, I think I was probably in fourth grade when she went off to college. And so, I found out all these fascinating things about music's deeper qualities around neurologic function. And so that really ignited uh, some curiosity around music and health. And then I would say thirdly, as I became involved in my career in New York City, as many people do become very stressed out, and music really became my go-to therapeutic tool. Uh, you know, Everything I tried when it came to stress in the workplace, wasn't really uh, wasn't really doing it for me because it was either inaccessible or not quite as impactful as I wanted it to be. So music was kind of my easy to use go to tool, but I really found that some music worked, some music didn't work, and it wasn't that reliable. But it was effective when it did work. So that really galvanized the idea of Spiritune on you know how did my experience with my mother's you know, knowing about sound and health through my mother's hearing loss and music therapy through my sister, you know could I apply some of these scientific principles into a modern day solution that anyone could use anytime, anywhere? So that's really what the genesis of my story came to be with respect to me founding Spiritune.
1: Wow. So much in there. One of the first things I'm thinking about is how sound affects us without realizing it. And I'm sure you can speak to this more directly. So I'm curious, from all the research that Spiritune's done and your focus on this your entire life, what are some of the effects that sound has on our bodies, our minds, and our overall well-being?
0: Yeah, Marie, you definitely, you know, focused in on one of the amazing parts about music is that it has such a profound impact on so many things on our minds and bodies without us even knowing, you know, to just name a few, which is actually quite a lot You know, music has the power to reduce anxiety, reduce blood pressure, slow down our fight or flight response, <laughs> improve sleep, decrease pain, and even improve our motor function. So our ability to move and that's, you know. Just those few things actually covers quite a lot. So just our auditory system is very, uh, very sensitive. And the brain networks that music underlies addresses things like stress, emotion, pleasure and reward system. So that means it can be such a powerful intervention when it comes
1: uh, comes to health and
0: and its appropriate use for health
1: purposes. Hmm. And what are some of the differences between music versus general sound? Like, what is it that makes music so potent versus all the sounds we hear throughout our day? Sure, that's a
0: great question, and that really differentiates good good sound from bad sound. Right? Um, you know, sound is definitely not created equal, but it's all processed in our brain. Right? So, sound, you know, can be anything we anything we hear. Whereas music is more organized sound. So that's when you get into the world. And sometimes there's a nuance, you know, sometimes I hear train tracks, right? And it's like kind of this cadence and it's like, well, that could actually be music or maybe I should incorporate that into my music track, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So really when it comes to more organized sound, that's how you separate sound from music when it comes to things like rhythm and tempo and You can characterize a musical composition, you know, in hundreds and hundreds of characteristics. But um, with respect to, you know, sound, you know, I often think of noise pollution, right? Um, And how it can be really negative. In fact, there's a lot of studies done around schools that are uh, located near noisy areas, such as train tracks, and consistently their standardized scoring is lower because. Of noise pollution or noise that is harmful to our cognition and focus. And then, whereas music, for example, music actually relates to emotional properties. Both sound and music can affect us physiologically, but with respect to music, it has the ability to carry emotional valences and really contain properties that can take us from one state to another. And that's what's really, really powerful about music versus, um, you know, just kind of random sound.
1: Yeah, I remember as a child, my parents were actually concerned that I was losing my hearing or that I was partially deaf or something because I would have trouble focusing when people were trying to get my attention or talk to me. And they took me to a hearing specialist. They did a series of tests. And as it turned out, like I had such good hearing that that was what the problem was, is I could hear almost everything. The doctor said she can hear a pin drop. That's the problem. She hears everything, and then she can't focus. And I've noticed that even in my adult life, when there's a lot of sounds going on, I can't even hear a conversation I'm having with somebody. And I took very deliberate steps in my time in New York City, which is probably one of the loudest, noisiest, most like noise-pollutant places in the world. To make sure I could offset that, because it would not only make it difficult for me to focus, but then as a result would also elicit a stress response.
0: I totally am with you on that. <laughs> it's the struggle is real when it comes to living in New York City or any big city. Um, but you know, this doesn't even this is not even a problem just for big. City. It is a public health problem actually. Cities do address it and put funding towards. Uh, noise pollution. However, you know, noise pollution can exist anywhere, you know, in your office, on an airplane, you know, we don't have to be talking about New York City or any major city to discuss the negative impacts of sound in somebody's daily life.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're always receiving sound. It's one of these stimuluses we don't really take time to tune out. Because we can choose to close our eyes to sort of take out the sight parameter. We're not always eating and tasting something. We're not necessarily actively touching things all the time. But because of the evolutionary response of sound being an indicator for change or needing to be alert, we're wired to be receiving it all the time. And we're receiving it in so many levels and quantities so persistently, and that does have an effect on the coherence of our brain. So it can even interrupt things like focus. And then that cascades down even to just our baseline sense of being safe and okay. Absolutely. And that's a big deal, right? Um,
0: You know, we can't turn off sounds. So therefore, our brain is always processing. And so if those are sounds that are stress inducing, that basically induce, you know, Or uh, increased cortisol levels, which is our stress hormone, you know, that's a bad thing. And those are sounds that include, you know, higher articulation or intensity or just loud. Um, Whereas music, on the other hand, that can be, you know, perhaps adapted to the right levels can induce positive, you know, hormones such as dopamine, serotonin. Um, So there's definitely that negative and positive aspect there.
1: Yeah, I mean, you don't need to run after the ayahuasca or the drugs or the alcohol to get the dopamine response. You've got it right there in your headphones. For sure. So one thing I'm curious about, if if we have a few options we can take right now to be able to use sound more deliberately, what would be your recommendations, especially given the therapeutic power that music holds? What have you found in your research?
0: Uh, well, it's an amazing question and one that definitely doesn't have a straightforward or simple answer. That's okay. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> not to be a buzzkill here. I mean, that exact question is why we started Spiritune and have been working over over a few years now, and scientists have been working decades and decades to answer exactly that question, right? But I can say, you know, the reason why it's not so simple is because music is highly complex. You know, scientists don't even have an agreed upon definition of what music is. So that gives you an idea of how complex it is. And we as individuals are uh, complex. We're always fluctuating in our emotional state, what we're doing. So matching music to an individual is just complex. So there's no straightforward answer, but I can say It, uh, we can get you to some sort of answer through personalization. And that is all about what Spiritune does is basically it requires of the user or the, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm talking in business terms. Uh, It (laughs) requires, it requires of the individual to have an understanding of their emotional state, which First of all, not everyone does have that understanding, right? Um, True. But if you can get there and uh, have an understanding of your emotional state, you can better select music that's appropriate for your emotional state. However, the appropriate music is not a universal thing. So music can be characterized by hundreds and hundreds of qualities and those are things like rhythmic complexity, tempo, timbre, tonality, pitch range, pitch height, pitch variability on and on and on and on. So, no individual wants to have that burden of saying <laughs> analyzing a piece of music and saying, "Okay, I mean, you're going to get stressed out just to try to find the right piece of music that adheres to the qualities of music that adheres to all of the physiological states you're trying to match to. So basically this is the long winded way of saying that you know it's impossible to know all of the as an individual it's impossible to know all the different ways to break down a musical composition that's appropriate for your emotional state. However, because I want to give you a little a little bit of uh, an education on how you can start today, rhythm is a great guidepost. You know, okay. we talk a lot about rhythm and an individual tends to know what rhythm is, right? Um, so, so if we take rhythm, for example, you know, rhythmic complexity and tempo, you can look for higher tempo and higher rhythmic complexity music uh, for something that's a little more arousing or energetic. And then, on the contract, on the contrary, go for lower tempo, lower rhythmic complexity music for something that's more winding down appropriate or relaxing. But like I said, then you can further fine tune and fine tune up to a hundred variables of music that can even increase your sense of well being. whether, whether that's finding higher energy or relaxation or focus that can be impactful. And so that's what we at Spiritune do. Um, so we can take the guesswork out of it for you and not require so much burden on the individual to select exactly the right track to match their physiological state and help them reach their goal. But that's, that's, you know, something that can get uh, you or any of our listeners excited um, or started at least with starting to understand how they can select the right music for a variety of needs throughout their day.
1: Yeah, rhythm is probably one of my favorite principles to talk about because it is so innate in the fabric of life. It's so innate in most things we do and yet we don't really spend time connecting to it. And music, for instance, I've always noticed this for myself, I'm sure everyone else can relate when when you're hitting the the perfect mix of like where you're at energetically and you find that track and then you just like you sort of just start bumping and in tune with it and it, it happens automatically. You can't even help it. And it's interesting to note for myself how if I'm seeking a piece of music, part of what helps me select it is the moment where I feel my body start to move in tune with it. And I can usually go through several tracks before I find the one that's meeting whatever that rhythmic urge is for me in that moment.
0: Yeah, that's the best feeling when it's like, completely the right groove. Right. And you kind of feel like you're hitting your stride and, you know, the cool part is that, is that it's intuitive. You don't have to be a scientist to know, right. Your body just automatically hits that groove and knows when it's in the right place and you feel better because of it. And that's just something that is hardwired in humans, which makes music such a powerful and awesome tool. Um, but I will say, you know, if if you want to know a little bit more about the science, that is known as the, the property of, uh, or the principle of entrainment. And that basically states that our body's rhythmic functions, such as breath rate and heart rate, and even our motor function wants to entrain to rhythmic auditory stimuli. So that's when you find yourself tapping your pen or kind of bopping your head or tapping your foot. Um, And even your breath rate and your heart rate can respond, which is so powerful because that's essentially our fight or flight response. So if music has the ability to increase or decrease that response, then it becomes such an amazing tool.
1: So entrainment means that we basically can be led into a specific rhythm through outside support. And when that outside support comes in and guides us into that rhythm, we have the potential to either, like you said, speed it up or slow it down. And so if you're needing chill, you, you want to find the track that's going to bring you down. And then if you need like energy and want to be revitalized, you want something a little higher. That's going to feed you into that upward swing. Exactly.
0: hundred percent.
1: And that's all about that's like the beauty of playlist creation, right? You know, people,
0: people have the pump me up playlist and the chill out playlist. And that's so fun. Like everyone loves to create their own playlist around this. And then that's, you know, that's awesome. That's like one of the joys of, I feel like just the American pastime or world pastime, not even American pastime. But, um, but you know, you again, you can break down songs into higher fidelity to achieve a deeper level of whatever you're trying to accomplish, whether that's, you know, anxiety reduction, uh, better focus, sleep. Mm -hmm. So, um, so again, that's kind of the scientific approach that we take, but it's certainly something that an individual can do with some of their own playlists.
1: Yeah. 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 Something I'm curious about, you know, talking about the effects that sound has on us is your mother's experience losing her sound. And I would love to hear more about what you witnessed as key components that helped in her recovery, whether expression or release through movement was a part of both of your experiences as a means to adapt Yeah. I mean, that's a hard question. It's probably
0: more complex that she could more answer, but I do know losing a sense, you know, there's extreme adversity there, right? And it's difficult and you know, my mom's resilience, I would say, attributed to the things she found joy in. You know, she did, she was an avid swimmer and still is to this day. And so I know that that's something that brought Brings her great joy to this day, and you know, still through her hearing loss, it's or, or anybody's adversity, you know, not just my mother's, is is finding joy in what you do, and you know, almost acting as if you know that hindrance is not a hindrance at all. So you know, I can't say that movement hundred percent is something that you know helped her in her adversity, but I think finding joy in movement or um, you know, really anything when it comes to being resilient in the midst of adversity is is hugely important.
1: Yeah. I hear that. So something that um I know is near and dear to both of our hearts is the connection between movement and music. There's so much inter or overlapping, I should say, between these two mediums and they're so powerful in alternating our in altering our state of being. And I remember hearing a little bit from you personally about your story, beginning Spiritune, how you used to host events that combined both of these mediums. What led you to do so? What insights did you derive there? And how did it shape Spiritune's next steps?
0: Yes, exactly. Uh, So the events I originally hosted were basically one big experimenting ground for me to, (laughs) (laughs) to build focus groups around the concept of music for health. But obviously, that's such a broad concept, right? Um, So I had to start somewhere. So I figured, let's start a live experiment. And music and movement seemed, you know, so intertwined, as you just mentioned, and seemed very natural to me. Um, So I wanted to experiment and design a, a place where people could come together and I could have a seated portion, but also a movement portion and see in real time, how music enhanced that practice, whether it was seating, seated or or through music. And what I found is that the response was so enth- enthusiastic on both in both formats that people started asking me, you know, well, what is it about the music? Because these if these live events are so great. So through that feedback, you know, what I found was you know music is enhancing anytime anywhere and if they're asking for this outside of just the live events then i really felt that i should probe deeper into the musical properties that can meet a person in any given setting and that's something that really resonated with me as well because through my story of you know stress in the workplace i really felt that that's where i could help the most amount of people the live events were amazing but i really felt that you know, creating an application where I could go deep on the science. So I created a team of scientists that worked with our team of composers to create proprietary music that could be served in a mobile application. So that's that's how Spiritune got started.
1: Yeah, I remember playing with Spiritune during quarantine, and it was such a saving grace for me, especially on the days where I had so much to do and I was really having trouble getting motivated. And like you mentioned earlier, the way you've set up the product is for the individual to come in and start with how they're feeling and then say how they want to feel. And so the music will guide you from where you're at in the moment up into where you want to go almost without your realizing it. I remember selecting those states and finding that truly within a matter of minutes, I was already moving into the state I wanted to be in. And it was, I'd never really gotten to experience anything like that where something just easily carried me where I wanted to go without me having to think about that. So I'd love to hear more about how you're actually able to do that. I think we might've touched on it a little bit with the concept of entrainment and rhythm, but if you could go deeper into why you set it up with selecting where you're at and where you're going. Yeah, so I will say that not only
0: the music content, but the design of the application itself, it has therapeutic value, right? So just by prompting the user every time how they're feeling, that's automatically getting an individual to become aware of their emotions. And being aware of your emotion is the first step to having power over them because it's um, automatically making you feel like that emotion is normal. Every time I log in and say, oh, you know, maybe I am feeling a little more anxious than I normally am, or maybe I am feeling a little more tired and sleepy than I normally am. So that in and of itself has therapeutic value. And that is part of the, the design of the application. That's almost separate from the music, but it also allows a guidepost, like you said, for us to start the music where you are. So it's adapted to meet you and make you feel like you're embraced where you are in the moment and then transition into your desired state. And that is actually a music therapy principle called the ISO principle. And that says that principle basically states that to more effectively uh, have therapeutic value in helping somebody reach their desired emotional state, you must first meet them in their current state. Hmm. And the best example that I can give is I'm sure, you know, you've walked into a store or restaurant and it was just like, crazy energetic music and you're like, whoa, like too much, too much. Like I'm feeling pretty sleepy or I'm feeling like just pretty chill. Like this is a total disconnect. And Mm -hmm. that's how so many applications are designed these days and music too. You know, it's static, right? It's just one state. So to meet you in your current state helps you feel embraced where you are because every emotion is, is valid, right? Even if it's a bad one, It doesn't mean that it's wrong or we should feel judged because we're feeling anxious or lethargic or whatever. We should feel embraced, but we also want to lead you into a better place. So the whole component around the ISO principle is embracing you where you are, holding your hand and leading you you to your desired state.
1: Well, and I think that is what makes it so brilliant, too, because so often we're not willing to meet ourselves or where we are in that moment, right? Isn't that the negative emotion away, right? It's like, I'm I'm happy and I'm cool, whatever, you know? Yeah. And I think one of the great flaws I've sort of observed even in most self-development work has been that the fact that it's not there's not a recognition of allowing yourself to be where you're at and to feel it, to even recognize the feeling. There's sort of like feeling uncomfortable or upset and then being like, well, look at that thing that you want to go towards and run at it because if you don't, you're screwed. And the truth of the matter is, is the only way we even have the ability to go where we want to go, you have to be able to soften in where you are. And I love that you started that explanation saying that the first part of the therapeutic component is having you self-assess and actually acknowledge where you are. And that that is in some ways a very powerful part of the experience, getting people to be comfortable with that and develop that conversation with themselves and then not be so displaced by the fact that they're experiencing a negative emotion, but to normalize it. Absolutely.
0: For sure. It's about realizing where you are now and embracing it, whether it's negative or positive.
1: Yeah, that's like a very similar experience I have, you know, working with people in movement. I see so often that people are unwilling to stop and feel the sensations in their body. They'd much rather be told that they've got in the position right or the movement right. They're always looking outside of them for like, oh, how did I do? And my biggest concern is that if you're not feeling, then you don't actually know how you did. The whole point is for you to be able to move independently of anyone, any gym, any circumstance, any instructor, and to know your body and be the expert of it. But to do that, you have to be willing to meet yourself where you're at and feel what's there, you know, and Because we're so intellectual, it gets really hard to be able to assess things like sensation or feeling or emotions, right? And in general, as a society, we want to intellectualize and just be productive about things and do things in, you know, in service of where we want to go without actually taking that moment to orient ourselves.
0: Yeah. Or we just mask, mask what's there because we know what we're supposed to be like. And so we just try to adapt to that always, which is, you know, often working against us.
1: I am briefly interrupting this interview to announce that we are thrilled to have launched Evolna's new on-demand app, where you have unlimited access to all of our intuitive movement exercises, workouts, and meditations designed to help you become the expert of your body while creating a more fulfilling relationship with yourself. We're offering a special discount. The first month trial is only $1. Sign up through our link in the show notes and include checkout code EVOLNA1 to redeem the offer. Now, back to the interview. Well, I love what you've done with your product and your business, even what you did like with all your work as a DJ, because you used to DJ for a while too, right? I'm not sure if you still are with quarantine. Is that still happening?
0: Well, I did experiment with some virtual DJing uh, things um, and that was cool for sure. And, you know, DJing was actually my way to bridge the gap between my career and Basically, leading into Spiritune. It was my way to independently experiment with music on my own terms, in my own format. And DJing is all about, you know, changing the music to take people on a journey. And so, in a way, Spiritune is a derivative of my experience also DJing.
1: Yeah, uh, I can so clearly see that. One of my questions that I still want to tap into here is a little bit more movement-centered, so we're we're going to kind of deviate. Cool. But I'd love to know more about your journey with movement personally in your life and what have been some of the key lessons that movement's taught you that you've been able to move forward with in other aspects of your life? Yeah,
0: I mean, that's a definitely a loaded question, but I can say that I have learned so much about my journey with movement and the different forms that it's taken, you know, as a child, I definitely was a tomboy and did pretty much all of the sports, you know, you can imagine from softball, basketball, ice skating, gymnastics. And I think that really plays into my love for movement to this day, although it's taken different forms, I'd say the most people's experience, you go from kind of organized sports to then college and career where you all of a sudden, you know, organized sports are taken away unless you're going pro, right? Which, mm-hmm. So then you have to figure out, well, if I'm not moving, you know, often our sense of well-being is drastically decreased. And I, for one, can definitely feel when I don't move, I become irritable and just feel, you know, terrible. So then it's like a rush to get it out, you know, do I go for a run? Do I do my 30-minute workout and and that is where this kind of dichotomy exists between, you know, having so much movement available to you then in your kind of adult age it's all taken away. So, you know, I would say the journey for me and what I've learned is, you know, this applies to even outside movement is you know, when you realize something is so essential to your well-being you know how do you incorporate it more into your daily life? And just doing, you know, a thirty-minute crash session of movement is not enough, right? You know, how do we integrate it more into our day? Whether that's taking the stairs instead of uh, while you're going to a meeting or riding a bike instead of taking a cab. I definitely kind of found different outlets too. You know, dancing in New York City, and so definitely my my movement philosophy and ways I've moved you know uh, throughout my life have evolved and i think you know the lesson for me is that you know movement is essential to our health and that it doesn't have to just involve as most people assume in their adult life is is it's either sitting or this you know crazy 30 to 1 hour a minute like workout session to just get it all out you know yeah. it's about integrating it into your life and that's with you know anything that feels good or it's a part of your self-care routine but movement I think is essential to every human being whether you realize it or not and so the more ways we can embrace and be aware of our movement and integrate it into more than just you know 30 to one hour packaged workout sessions is is really essential to our physical and mental health
1: yeah you know Most people who I know who are successful and well-balanced are connected to this relationship with their bodies. But like you mentioned, for many of us who were very active and physically active growing up and had all these options to suddenly have that taken away the second you're thrown out as an adult in the world, it's really challenging to figure out how to bring in some semblance of that. And like you mentioned, there's that reaction of, I have to like make up for all the lost time. So I'd love to hear more about what modalities you've been adapting because you seem to have a very fluent relationship with movement in your body, more so than most people who've been through your experiences. So what were the mediums you used? How? What are you using now, especially in quarantine? Like what's been feeding your movement inspiration and your movement needs. Yeah.
0: Well, well, I guess, you know, there's that is also a journey too, right? We kind of went from to hardcore quarantine shelter in place where it was like, okay, we just moved from having the ability to go from meeting to meeting and at least we walk a little bit there to Zoom meeting to Zoom meeting where I'm just sitting in a chair all day. And that Mm -hmm. clearly very quickly was not going to work. So you know for me it was basically you know structure and schedule is a big part of my life or or i shouldn't say it comes naturally to me but it's essential right so i had to basically schedule in you know in the mornings make sure i'm moving and you know at uh mid morning to lunch to mid afternoon a little 15 minute break to move and obviously as we came out of sort of shelter in place, you know, I can walk around outside. But, you know, that incorporated, and I will caveat the fact that I was pregnant at the time. So I couldn't yeah. move in the ways that I normally could, which was frustrating. Mm-hmm. But I did need to be a little less active than I normally would be. So I moved, I did my own little solo dance parties for sure. Um <laughs> a being one of them. <laughs> um uh I did have, you know, some prenatal kind of uh online classes as well. And then just, you know, sometimes you have to just say like walking to the kitchen is is something that I can do. But for sure now that we aren't sheltering in place, you know, finding time in nature and outside, doing, you know, hikes. Luckily, I um you know, I'm upstate New York right now and so I have the opportunity, which I'm really lucky to have, to be outside and find a lot of physical activity in just the great outdoors.
1: Mm. Yeah, I I love your little phrase about walking to the kitchen is something. You know, it's really easy to quantify movement as worthwhile movement and not. And and usually sh- this is sort of the larger flaw of the fitness industry. I feel is that it's forced us to position into one of these two categories. And the truth is, is anytime you do anything with your body, no matter how small, it's movement. And there are shifts happening physiologically for your physical, mental, and emotional well-being. And we also know, like studies prove this, when you... When you know that something is good for you, it actually amplifies the effects. So even the decision to say, walking to the kitchen is good for me means you actually got a lot more out of walking to the kitchen than if you'd just been beating yourself up about the fact that you couldn't go back to what you were used to.
0: That's so true. And I love that. And on that note, too, of like, you know, essential versus unessential or worthwhile or un not worthwhile movements, you know, posture is also a great one. I became acutely aware that my posture was like, you know, I was slumping forward. And then all of a sudden, at the end of the day, it's like my neck hurt, my shoulders hurt, my back hurt. And I also, you know, emotionally, it was like this kind of, you know, when you change your posture, you change a lot about your attitude and your emotion and your confidence. And there's a lot of science behind that as well. And so, you know, how we position our bodies, whether it's moving or or not is also you know worthwhile
1: yeah well you had quarantine and then you also had a baby in quarantine so you had so many things you were juggling with this shift we were all experiencing in some ways you were experiencing the biggest life shift somebody could go through all at once And I'm curious, you know, in that process, how did movement and sound shape your pregnancy experience during quarantine? Well, I will definitely
0: say that, you know, pregnancy hormones are very real. So when we talk about (laughs) the need to release emotions, music and movement were, you know, right up there at the top of my list as essential. And You know, their, their effects are on our physiology. I mean, they're both such great releases. So, and you, they both, you know, you can do at home music for sure movements, you know, based on what you consider worthwhile or not worthwhile, uh, can be a little harder because you might have to adapt, but that doesn't mean it's not worthwhile. Right. So Mm -hmm. But they did become essential, especially because during pregnancy, it's so important to make sure you're taking care of yourself because everything you do to take care of yourself means you're taking care of your baby. Mm. And so music was definitely uh, a way for me to easily de-stress, calm my mind, focus at work. And I knew too, you know, a baby can start hearing sounds within five months of being in the womb. So I knew that she could also listen. So that was something, you know, we could do together. And same with movement, you know, every time I moved and, you know, my belly was getting bigger and bigger. So it was quite noticeable that, you know, what I was doing for myself, I was also doing for her. So it was almost like, you know, we're doing this together for our own well-being. And it, it was really, it was really fun, you know, was definitely listening to music. I could feel her starting to move and dance, like, you know... I, kept saying I was going to have a little like disco disco diva popping out. So um, <laughs> so it became really fun. But it also highlighted the importance of both mm. music and movement as something I could do in the comfort of my own home to increase my well-being and self-care while I was pregnant.
1: Did you ever feel like she had special requests for you, of sound and movement, and you wanted well, something and she was kind a of great like,
0: point. No. <laughs> yeah, no, you become acutely aware of what you can and can't do. You know, when it's just you, you tend to, or I, and I'm sure you could have another discussion on this topic of pushing yourself to the limit. But when you have a child that's growing inside of you, you really need to listen to your body. And I could definitely, in fact, after before quarantine, when I went to an Avolna session, a dance session, you know, I had to take a break halfway between because she was definitely saying I need to rest right now. And so um, uh, so she definitely had some requests for me or or demands maybe is a better way to put it. Um, and I think because of it, I've become more self-aware even post-pregnancy on what I can and can't do, where my limits are mm-hmm. and what I can be doing, what's worthwhile and not worthwhile just to take care of myself. And sometimes that means... Slowing down and even taking a nap.
1: Yeah. Ha- has that changed since her birth? Has, has there been a significant shift since she's come into this world as an, uh, her own separate entity in terms of how you're managing your own self care and her care at the same time?
0: Yeah, it's interesting because you do get creative. You know, you know what her needs. Um, but I also firmly believe that as a mother, you also need to take care of yourself. And at first, I was getting really worn out as I think this is pretty much a universal of early motherhood is because you're just so intensely focused on her needs. I mean, a baby is the most vulnerable, you know, person you could that can possibly possibly be on the planet, right? So you just know you need to take care of this human being. But then you quickly realize if you're not caring for yourself, you can't take care of her mm-hmm. so I did find creative ways uh you know what can we do together we do you know bath time together uh we do listen to music together and mm-hmm. we have our own little mini dance party she does like the running man and horizontal and to the beat of the <laughs> music and um so there's ways to build in play time that involves self-care for both of us and that's been a really great joy
1: I love that you said that you got creative with it because I find that creativity really births so much innovation and it doesn't just have to be for a business, but it can also be in relationship to our well-being and taking care of ourselves. I mean, look at the creativity that births Spiritune where you've basically reinvented accessibility to being able to take care of ourselves through headphones you know like the simplest tool and and i think that's something people forget that self care isn't cookie cutter there isn't one way it shape shifts it changes and if you allow yourself to be curious and play and just find a rhythm with it like that's that's where you're going to really step in tune with the pinnacle alignment that you're seeking hundred percent.
0: There were a lot of puns in there, by the way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, uh, for sure. You know, being, you know, there, well, there was a r- rhyme and reason behind Spiritune's name and, you know, tuning in to what you need and, you know, tuning into the music that is fine tuned to what you need is, you know, is the rhyme and reason behind what we do. And in you know, the, spirit behind all self-care should be personalized there is not one mass thing that you know works for everyone it's about you know what are what are the ways that resonate with you that work with your lifestyle and the things that you find enjoyment and maybe that takes some creativity but you know creativity is also its own form of self-care
1: and the fact that that'll change every day. I mean, it's built into your app where you s- you just acknowledge where you are. And some days you're in a different place. Some periods in your life you're sort of stuck in the same rut until things shift. But you know that change is really the only constant. And part of part of what helps us ride it is to embrace it. Absolutely.
0: You you're saying all the all the things that I that I should be saying Marie, <laughs> but that's exactly right. You know, it's, um, you know, from an individual's perspective, it's, you know, being cognizant of where you are and what you need. And from our perspective in building it, we tried to build a product that meets everyone where they are in the best mm-hmm. way that we can. And so, you know, so far it's going well. And it, the best feeling is that you've built something that helps other people And not just one part of the population, it's, you know, it's a pretty wide net with respect to who, you know, who we can help. And so that feels really great.
1: Hmm. That actually is a perfect tie-in to my next question, which is, you know, how your experience as a mother and your personal well-being as a mother, as well as your newborn daughter's well-being, how these are affecting your inspiration for the next steps for Spiritune. Well,
0: I'm always looking for ideas on ways to evolve the product and better serve different populations. So for sure, I will say my daughter has been a beta tester since day one and <laughs> she is definitely a test doll whether she wants to be or not, I guess. That, that's something I've I've enlisted her in. So it definitely has sparked a lot of curiosity around ways we can serve other populations and for sure helping babies in the NICU, for example, um, Mm -hmm. that is an area, you know, that has been more and more researched on helping babies that, you know, are taken out of the womb prematurely. They're, they're in a controlled environment and all of a sudden prematurely they're in a in an uncontrolled environment and music is a great way for to bring in a control element and help them decrease stress of being in a crazy new environment and help them sleep better. So music for babies, both in the NICU and, uh, and at home helping them release stress, help them sleep, relax, et cetera. And then even mothers, you know, like Mm -hmm. I said before with my own pregnancy, when you can release stress as a mother, you're releasing stress, you know, for your child as well. And obviously, there's a lot of stress hormones and hormones in general revolving around pregnancy. So, we, there's also a lot of great research around um, music and breast milk quality. Um, mm. So, really, like, there's a lot of areas we can touch. So, those are just a few that you know. Your question was about motherhood, and so those are the areas that we've definitely given some consideration to and so we definitely will be rolling out different features and different product lines um and our goal is to help as many people as possible so uh, i can't say if it's in the very 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 near future but um but for sure that's those are all things we're constantly looking at and it has inspired me for sure um so so we'll see at what point in the future those things roll out
1: yeah. Well, so that's one facet of where Spiritune can go, and that's inspired through your experience. But in terms of next steps for Spiritune, just given what's been going on in the world right now, where are you guys positioning your focus right now? Yeah, right now,
0: we are definitely helping people, actually enterprises right now, as we are very familiar with working from home right now. So remote workers, um, there's a bit of a renaissance kind of going on right now in HR and benefits channels at enterprises because the ways of finding self-care and supporting mental health of their workers or workforce are, have been completely disrupted. Mm. And so companies are rushing to understand how they can support their workforce from home and so with respect to the ease of use of Spiritune, helping people feel better with the power of audio in the comfort of their own headphones and the comfort of their own home, um, it's become a really great tool to support employees. And that's something that you know everyone's dealing with right now. So I'm so happy that it's relevant and needed in this time and you know, providing a level of self-care for employees we do have a, a consumer uh, subscription as well that you can find on the app store. But but right now, given the timeliness of, of the pandemic, um, we are really putting forth a big effort to support enterprises at this time.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the mental health component that's getting reconfigured right now, because we we touched on this earlier, how... Our biology and the health of our bodies like affects things like, you know, our psychology and our emotional well-being and the sudden shift to working from home and being behind screens for everything. I mean, it's been taxing for everybody. And as it continues and as this sort of becomes the new way we need to adapt into, it means our self-care needs to adapt. And I I was noticing this from my vantage point as a movement professional, that everybody was trying to go back into what they knew, but the needs of their body were completely different. Mm -hmm. And some, a theme I've noticed in recent weeks, you know, we had world mental health day, I believe like just a few days, if not weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And We've already had this underlying issue going on of mental health not really being addressed, not being spoken about, being very taboo, and yet everybody's affected by it and needs support in it. So I love that this, despite all the challenges here, we've had this real opportunity to look at this facet of our society and of our existence and of our personal well being that was not looked upon before. And you know, being able to shift that through something like a tool of music allows us to start finally being able to unwind those threads in other areas of our life, our society, our politics. you name it, yes,
0: a hundred percent, I think you know this this pandemic has, I think, been called sort of the great exacerbator, right? The things that we knew we were starting to touch on has just expedited this. And so, you know, going into twenty twenty, Mental health was noted as, you know, one of the top priorities for enterprises, for Mm -hmm. example, but there was such a long way to go. It was like, you know, most people, you know, really struggled to even understand what mental health is. They, most people associate it with mental illness and, you know, mental health is something that everybody has and everyone should be focusing on. I think there is some, still a bit of a stigma around it, but light has been shown on mental health because of the pandemic. It is becoming more understood. There's less of a stigma around it. And we're starting to understand ways to support our mental health that are attainable and accessible. It doesn't necessarily involve a couch and a therapist, right? It can be movement. It can be music. It can be journaling, you know, it can be very accessible. And so I think we're starting to uncover those things the other thing I'll say, you know, with respect to sound and audios, you touched on it. Everyone's in their screens now. There's We're moving from Zoom call or Zoom meeting to Zoom meeting and our eyes are tired. You know, with audio, it's a fantastic tool to just not be in our screens, right? Because we do, our eyes do need a break.
1: Yeah, no, it's listening is one of the most powerful tools we have to reset. I, I remember coming across this like deeper explanation of it through one of my favorite spiritual practitioners, Matt Kahn, and it like came to me at the perfect moment where I was feeling like, really overwhelmed with everything we have going on at Ivona and like was sort of struggling with my own self care. And you know, he mentioned the power of listening, allowing you to sort of tune out to all of all the external stimulus and just bring it in on one. And when you bring it in on one and you don't have to do anything with it, you can just receive it. How that kickstarts similar levels of deep rest as like really high quality sleep or a really elevated meditation.
0: Yeah that's i think you know the definition of presence right there right you know tune up, tuning out of everything else that's going on and focusing in on the present and what you know what you're what you're trying to focus on whether that's your breath your work a person speaking etc so you know that speaking of life's work that is a constant area of improvement for me
1: oh me too i'm always i'm always chipping away at it <laughs> yeah yeah, it's not easy. No, but very important. It is. And you know, also, like on the to touch a little further off of listening, you know, this concept of silence, this was, this was another one of my discoveries in quarantine. Uh, it was also connected with movement, I would allow myself moments to just lay down on my floor, and not be doing anything and just listen to what I heard. So, not even like playing specific music, but just to, you know, to not do or be for a moment. And I found those little breaks I took to be some of the most beautiful moments I had in all of quarantine because things would start coming into my awareness that I hadn't been paying attention to. And it was just so healing. And I bring that up because while we're talking about music and sound, and we're also touching on noise pollution from earlier, the importance of silence as well and how it's one of those uncomfortable places that we may not be accustomed to, but may provide us so much more opportunity for nourishment and resetting than we realize. Absolutely. And when I think of mindful listening, that includes
0: when it's the play button or the pause button, right? Mm -hmm. You know, knowing, being in tune with when you need, you know, help from music and when you need help from silence.
1: Yeah, I'm curious. What have you guys studied silence at all, in addition to music, or has it just been music?
0: Our focus at Spiritune has been mostly music right now. I am hundred percent certain that our neuroscientists on our team have researched and understand silence as well. But for now, anyway, Spiritune is mostly focusing on you know, the healing properties or the health properties of music. But that's a, that's an interesting proposition you just made. Perhaps that's, that's written
1: into the program. Well, I mean, in some ways it is because like what shapes music as the incredibly complex modality and medium that it is, is the fact that it's about interspersing silence with sound you know? And so in some ways you can sort of craft the principles of silence within that.
0: Yeah. And there's a whole body of of psychology around the uh, psychology of anticipation, right? So you have silence, but in anticipation of the sound, there's a whole therapeutic process of, and that's incorporated into, you know, electronic dance music when the beat drops right like there's a whole like dopamine release when the beat drops because there's a silence leading up to it and then that's the whole psychology around silence leading into sound and the therapeutic release and value in that
1: oh yeah Oh, my God. Such good stuff. Well, with that being said, we'll we'll go ahead and wrap things up for now. But as as we phase out of today's conversation, Jamie, if you have any parting words of wisdom you'd like to leave our listeners, I'm more than happy to invite you to share them. Can I say go vote? Yeah. (laughs) Um, I feel pretty strongly
0: about that one, actually. Yeah. but if it's in the vein of, of sound, you know, I definitely, uh, you know, with respect to all our senses, actually, um, my wisdom would be just, you know, being mindful of of our surroundings and, you know, this is, you know, something that doesn't have to be spirit tune related, but you know, when when you're can turn things on and off or tune in to what is is helping you or not helping you and and just developing a self-care routine off of that. I Now more than ever, right? Knowing when things are accessible to you that were not, or that are, not, I'm sorry, that are not accessible to you now that were before and getting creative with self-care, but perhaps going a level deeper. And that's what maybe is a silver lining here and finding out what works for us and not necessarily everybody else. And that eventually coming out of this will do us a service and form a kinder and more gentle humanity.
1: I'm going to throw in like a little music analogy there. It's that you can choose to play, to pause, or to skip, right? (laughs) I love that. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I should have said that. Thanks, Marie. (laughs) No, that's awesome. Well, it was, you know, like I always find like... I haven't
0: actually, is that a quote by somebody?
1: No, I don't know. I just thought of that. I was like, oh, because it's you're like tuning in or, you know, flipping by or it's as as one of my friends says, he's like, you're the queen of analogies. So I always like to bring them forward because I know they help me see things. Yeah. So- analogies exist for a reason. They're so relatable.
0: I love it. I'm going to
1: use that. I hope you don't Please mind. Please do. Go for it. Take it.
0: In your life, <laughs> you can choose whether to play, to skip, or to pause.
1: Yeah. Oh, thank you so,
0: so much, to me. This was so great. Thank you, Marie. It's awesome and an honor to be to be here today. So thank you for the great conversation. Well,
1: oh, thank you for sharing all your insights. Absolutely. Anytime. Thank you for tuning in with us today. You can find contact information and all references made during the show in the show notes. If you enjoyed the episode, don't forget to subscribe. Leave a review and spread the love by sharing with family and friends. If you want to learn more or would like additional support in your movement relationship, head to our website at Evolna.com. Be gentle, be generous, and be good to yourself. And have a beautiful day.